0: Hi, this is Lulu Mama, nurse chatter inbox in Corona time. I just wanna let you know as of July, COVID-19 is now considered airborne. A little information, coronavirus, the disease, COVID-19 is an infectious disease caused by a newly discovered coronavirus. CO COVID V virus D disease, 19, 2019. It's really called SARS-CoV-2, which is a Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. It's two because the first one came from China in 2003. COVID-19 appeared in Wuhan, a city in China from an animal believed to be a bat, then went to a second source, a human. Transmission of SARS-CoV-2 can occur through direct, indirect, or close contact with an infected person through an infected secretion, such as saliva, respiratory secretions, or the respiratory droplets, which are expelled when an infected person coughs, sneezes, talks, or sings. And then it becomes contact, which means then you touch your mouth, nose, eyes, and infect yourself. Hence, washing your hands for at least 20 seconds or pure rallying. The droplets happen if you're in close proximity, which you know has to be less than six feet, hence the mask. Now, airborne transmission is defined as the spread of an infectious agent caused by the dissemination of a droplet nuclei, aerosols that have remained. Infectious when suspended in air over long distances in time. So that means close proximities or someone sneezes and then you can pass by that area without a mask. Fomites is a contaminated surface. That's your hair or any surfaces like clothes. They could live there. Alcohol can kill certain contaminated surfaces. So if you clean the area in three minutes and the ones with bleach have a seven minute window to kill contaminated surfaces, what does that mean? You must leave the surface alone after cleaning for that amount of time to kill what's in the surface. We have been practicing homeschooling and social distancing. We actually had it down to a science. When I think about coronavirus, I think about my poor mother letting my father take me to the fish market in Colombia without my shoes. I walked through that murky water and guess what I got? Typhoid at two years old. My mother must have wanted to kill my father. I recovered and it was totally preventable if I had my shoes and someone paying attention where I stepped on. It was a close one, but it would not be the only time I would be fighting for my life. My husband and I, we have been practicing social distancing since the boys were diagnosed with autism at 18 months old. See, last summer, we had been fighting the district over baby number two. He had behavioral problems, and I've been working closely with my neurologist, tweaking his medications. The district did not feel he belonged there. In August, after having a great summer program, the district was still against him returning to their school. That's when our battle truly began because we had to call advocates, including the state regional office for my son to go back to the school, the district school. Unfortunately, they felt that suspending an eight-year-old would be the way to scare us a little. But they didn't know that my hubby and I are fighters by nature. When the second suspension happened, I already had him evaluated at a school, hoping that the meeting on October 3rd would be an easy transition. I can be pushy, and I had requested a new behavioral plan. In between the second suspension he was home i was getting him ready for that school and for three days of suspension he got an hour of homeschooling until october 3rd meeting based on the new behavioral plan he got rejected from the school he got accepted and became a homeschool kid not by choice but by circumstances so from october to january Baby number two was homeschooled until January 15th. This was a hard blow besides almost losing my life after gallbladder surgery that caused pancreatitis, the one that kills necrotizing pancreatitis with pseudocyst a month after having my twin boys. See, I know what it feels like to go to an emergency room when it's madness and it takes two days to get a room prior to surgery. I saw the nurse for my medications and I worked in this institution. I happened to go to the bathroom and realized I had hives from the antibiotics. That's how I found out I had an allergic reaction. Both times I was placed in a room and I was admitted immediately. My second admission was the hardest because I physically saw myself deteriorating. I knew I was dying. I remember it was Mother's Day and that night I had a procedure. C. pancreatitis attacks all of your organs and it's painful as hell. In today's magnificent medical technology, they do a special endoscopy called an ERCP that looks at your pancreas through your mouth. They found some sludge of some gallstones that had affected the pancreas. The day I opened my eyes was two days later. I was in the surgical ICU in an induced coma, secondary to respiratory failure. So I was in a mechanical ventilation with a tube down my throat and physically restrained to keep me from taking any more tubes out. I constantly saw my family and friends My brother was at the ledge of my bed, slept there every night with me. COVID patients, whether they survived or not, their last days feeling alone is something I can never conceive through my illness. Not having my husband or my brother around for support. I think about my two co-workers that battled cancer and had the most beautiful vigil and ceremony and funeral. Not our COVID big victims and their family members they were treated like a war zone when visitors were being minimized from the time it was two and one morning it was two and by 1 p.m. it was one one patient called me over and was so upset about the change of visitors I couldn't believe it At the time, maybe, because it was truly a time where I called it information overload. The way we cared for our patients changed minute to minute. It was really frustrating, but I did explain to the patient that we were dealing with a world disease pathogen. And as you may seem, that it's, at the time, you might've taken it a little bit personally we doing it for your safety and the safety of your family and the other patients on the floor and everybody working on the unit. It sufficed him until a couple of days later, there was no visitors allowed. And that was another thing. At this time, a close family member got it and then they refused to let the family know. The thing is, my mom and grandma spent the weekend there, so I was having a mental breakdown that my mother brought the beast home. But she was on a hydro- hydroxychloroquine already and recovered very quickly. I truly believe because they caught it early and because she was on this medication. So when I said my co-workers were dropping like flies, we were getting a clearer picture in March. We knew the beast, but not to what extent. It was clearly hitting home. Saturday, March 7, Governor Cuomo declared a state disaster emergency for the entire state of New York. I remember the day before an email that stated now providers needed to wear a mask. That Saturday the 7th in the morning, I remember clear as day, my co-worker gave me a mask. few nurses were wearing it. All doctors, residents, and nurse practitioners were wearing masks. And one unit in our floor, everyone was wearing a mask, including visitors and patients in another unit. One of the nurses said to me, my father has it. And I said, calm down, you're wearing a mask. Tell me what happened. She said, my father was out to dinner with friends. He's symptomatic. I asked her if she was having symptoms. She said, no. So we continued to work. The other unit, one of the nurses called the manager and she locked the mask in her office. That night, they were going to have a meeting about the concerns in our department. That night we found out our other providers were exposed in two different situations at our sister hospital one in the operating room during an intubation and the other was an exposure in a room with a positive patient and family members by that night after a long meeting we started testing patients on admission at the time and the turnaround time was 12 to 24 hours then we got our first positive patient and everybody was going bananas. I remember the first day I was talking to one of the hospitalists and she said, it's official. I said, what's official? It's deployment, check your email. Deployment? And she says, it's when they ship you to any hospital or unit depending on the need. This is the same time when Governor Cuomo put that executive order for medical providers, which in a nutshell, we had absolute immunity and liability for any injury or death during the state response to COVID outbreak, unless such death was caused by gross negligence. Then the next week, we had a nurse who fainted. By the time we got a line in and the supervisor came up, she stated that we should have done nothing and brought her to straight to the emergency room. Even a year prior, we had one of our scrub tech that went into cardiac arrest in the OR and our fellow nurses and doctors stabilized her before she went to the emergency room. Same with my in vitro doctor. He had a heart attack, they stabilized him and brought him to the ER. He lived. The hard part was hearing it from my neighbor. That she took a job in the Bronx, and the way that it was explained to her, and the way she explained it to me, was not to worry that she will be fine because she has no family and children. So if she dies, it's no one's loss. Meanwhile, her sister's pregnant with a second child, and she basically raised the first, and now she's a loner. And she tells me a week before she got there. A nurse fell to the floor and basically no one did anything and she died. She said the ER was worse and still we had not received any N95 masks. And a very good friend and a very special patient gave me to protect myself from the beast. And just like that, like a horror story, we saw the administrators and management turn their face one way to a cold steel face to tell our units what we were facing next.